All right, thank you so much. Let's open our Bibles, if you would. And uh, anybody notice the big Band-Aid on Brother Brett's face tonight? Anybody notice that beside me? I mean, it's right across his chin. And uh, he said it's taken, uh, taken Christina a while to be able to reach him with that, uh, with that punch. So i tell you what. And uh, so, all right, uh, let's just find out without complaining, who's hurting right now? Something in your body is hurting. You're in pain. All right. Uh, look at all the painful people. Maybe, maybe that's the expression on your face. Oh, you're in pain. That's why you look that way. And uh, so, well, that's a blessing. Well, up in heaven, no more pain. No more pain. And it won't be long. The, the, um, uh, the debate is tomorrow night. Our governor is de- debating the governor of Florida. And from what I heard, they have a lot of refugees that's going to be on the show or I guess right before the debate refugees from California that moved to Florida saying we're fleeing the state because of this governor it's it just so it's a lot happening and I'm just glad that the Lord is coming back I'm just glad it's uh, uh, it's going to be great when the trumpet sounds and it may not be long if you have your Bibles let's open them please to the book of Luke Luke chapter number 10 We're going to start a series for the next uh, three, maybe four weeks on the subject of this, developing the giving spirit, developing the giving spirit. And a lot of times when, when someone thinks of church or they hear that word giving, automatically they shut down, they think, well, that church is all about money. It's, uh, it's all about what you can do for them. And nothing could really be farther than the truth. And so we're going to be looking at great givers in the Bible and what their giving did for other people. And so let's look down to this very famous story, this very famous story, uh, looking down into chapter number 10 of Luke. I'm going to give a couple of introductory statements. One, being thankful... From last week, we're thinking of Thanksgiving. Being thankful makes you want to express it, which turns you into a giver. And so thankfulness is always the root of giving. And then here's another statement. It's not a rule that the more you have, the more generous you are. A lot of people think, well, if I had a lot, I could give a lot. But that's not where it starts. It always starts in the heart. I remember years ago when Hillary Clinton was our president and her husband helped her. And uh, I remember they, they printed, they had to print publicly their tax returns. And so they printed, and I remember reading it in the USA Today, the, the Clintons giving for that year. The total giving they gave to charities, whether it was Hurricane Relief or a church or missionaries or maybe the Red Cross, their total giving that they gave, and this was many years ago, and they printed it. I looked to my wife. We had just gotten our giving statement here from what we gave that year to uh, the church, and we had given more than the Clintons had given that year. It always starts with a willful heart. It's not, if you have a lot, you'll, you'll be able to give. No, it always starts with the heart. 
And so let's notice here in Luke chapter 10, a very familiar story. And it is just such a great story about giving. We see several characters. We may even act it out. We'll see. But notice in Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer. How many of you like lawyers? Slip your hand up. Look, people are shouting. I don't even like Brother Gibbs sometimes. No, no. no I love it when he's here. Someone said, someone was at a, a cemetery, a burial. And someone looked uh, in the grave and said, look, a honest lawyer. And someone looked and said, is it two people in that grave? Uh, you'll get that later. But it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? Now, notice just a little side note here. Sometimes when Jesus was asked a question, he would ask a question. And sometimes when we're witnessing a people and maybe someone's trying to be sarcastic and just give us some weird question, you may do well to just ask them a question. And that's what Jesus did. How do you read the law? Verse 27. And he answering said, uh, Jesus' answer says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. So we see the order here. It's kind of an introduction to giving. He said, we're to love God. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. So there's three loves there. Love to God, love to others, love to self. And so how do we, how do we exemplify that? Verse 28, he said unto him, thou hast answered right, this do, thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And so here comes the story of what we call the good Samaritan. And so verse 30, let's notice it. And Jesus answering said, A certain man, he didn't name him, so it's a parable. Anytime a name is mentioned, it's a, it's a true story like the rich man in hell. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was a, uh, or is a city built on a hill. It is not the highest spot in Israel. But anytime someone goes to Jerusalem, they always word it this way. We're going up to Jerusalem. They may have come down from a mountain to Jerusalem, but they'd say we're going up to Jerusalem. Because anytime they went to the temple, they were going up. And so tonight, just you decide, we're going to church. God would look down and say, oh, you're going up to the church house. Because you may have been in a valley and had a tough day today. And maybe you're listening online, couldn't come physically. And God says, you went up to the temple. So this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. They stole his car. They smashed and grabbed $900 exactly so they wouldn't get thrown in jail. And uh, you know, we could go on and on. And they fell, uh, he fell among thieves. What did they do? They stripped him of his raiment. They took. Not only did they take from him, but they, they had to wound him. They wanted to hurt him as well. Not only did they just want to steal. Here's a guy they didn't even meet, but they wanted to hurt him. That is always evil. 
And I'll just say it publicly again. What the Hamas did to Israel was pure evil. Pure evil. And and, uh, then he keeps going. He says, uh, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And it's not that how the Lord finds all of us. Uh, The Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sins. Before we got saved, our spirit was dead. So we were half dead. Our body was alive. Our spirit was dead. Our spirit didn't want to go to church, didn't want to uh, communicate to the Lord. And that's how the Lord found us. Verse 31, and by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, a Catholic priest. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. When you help people, and and I've heard Brother Berto say this, it's going to cost you. If you're going to help people, it's going to cost your time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you some tears, some disappointments. It's going to cost you financially. Anytime we say, man, I want to be a help to somebody, it's going to cost you something. And so this priest, he looked at the man half dead. He crossed the street, passed by on the other side. Verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, uh, and that's a religious man. He's a man coming from the temple. Came and looked on him. Maybe he was heading home after church and passed by on the other side. Both saw him, neither did anything. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, look at this. Here's the difference. He had compassion on him. What he saw affected his heart. And he went to him, and that's what soul winning is. We're going to them. I had a man in my office this week, and he told me, he said, he said, you came to my house. We talked a long time ago. Came to find out it was almost 20 years ago. He said, and I remember because I met you here at the office, we had a long talk, and it's been 20 years Got to give him my testimony. He didn't get saved yesterday. But he said, he said, and he went to him, verse 34, and bound up his wounds. Notice the energy, the action. He did something. He got involved, probably got blood on him, sweat. The man touched him, pouring in oil and wine, which would have been a medicine to try to help, help get out the infection. And set him on his bus, excuse me, his shuttle, excuse me, his beast. Set him on, on his own beast. That meant he probably walked. Brought him to an inn, not a holiday inn, but a place where he could be watched and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. So we have here, we have three different responses if you want to look at the notes here. And we're going to mention number two first. The three attitudes were this. The thieves looked at this uh, uh, man, uh, the certain man that uh, journeyed to Jericho. The thieves saw him. And number two, here's their philosophy. What's yours is mine if I can get it. 
And there's a whole heap of people. The government, our government is almost to that point. What's yours is ours if we can get it. And there's people that way. And there's cults that way. Whatever you have, we want to take it from you. Thieves are that way. But that was their attitude. They were takers. If we can get it, we're going to take it from you. And then, and that's who the devil is right there. What's yours is mine if I can get it. And then we see the second attitude. We see the attitude of the priest and we see the attitude of the Levite that passes by. Here's this man. He's, he, he's half dead. Now, uh, you help me. Uh, probably no one in this room's ever been in a fight. Probably no one's ever seen a fight unless it was some uh, smackdown on WWE, uh, world wrestling or something. Maybe you've never really seen a real fight, but if the guy's half dead, describe him to me. Tell me, tell me one thing about this guy who's laying on the ground. Probably he's been, he's been beat by more than one person. Anybody in this section help me? What's, what am I going to see here? Okay, cuts and bruises. Blood. How about the middle section? We've never heard of anybody beat up, okay? Uh, anybody else? What? Okay, broken, probably maybe some broken bones, broken ribs. How about over here? Teeth. Teeth, teeth knocked out. Anything else? Is he still going to have his wallet? No, probably his wallet's gone. Uh, his uh, Jordans, is he still going to have his brand new Jordans on? You think they're going to take his shoes? Anything of valuable, they're going to take. But, but on top of just taking, like we said... They're, they're wanting to hurt him as well. Hurt him physically. So here's a guy, sad shape. No wonder the other two guys, they just walked up and said, you know how long this is going to cost me? I got an appointment. I don't have, and I'll say this, none of us have time to help anybody. We've got our schedules. We've got stuff to do. It is always an interruption to give to somebody because we've got all the schedules we've got plans we got things and it's going to be an interruption you ever see someone with a flat tire on the side of the road and it's like man you can't help everybody i understand and sometimes if you're alone you're wondering the, you know is this a setup am i going to pull over i'm going to be robbed and they're going to take my car yeah i don't know but it's going to cost so here's these two and they just look and that's it. And then, so their philosophy was this. Number one, what's mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Then the good Samaritan, I love this. What was his philosophy? Number three on your notes. What's mine is thine and you can have it. What's mine is thine and you can have it. He was the giver in this story. He gave time. He gave energy. He gave money. Uh, he paid. Uh, and not only that, he had the long look. Not only did he help the man immediately and brought him to the end, but he said, this is going to be a long process. Uh, he's not going to be healed overnight. This is not just, all right, glad you uh, look better, feel better. Here's the Band-Aid. See you later. Let's go. No, he was going to be there when he came back from his business trip. Only a leader sustains a burden. 
It's in my wife's book, that, that book, See You on the Other Side, Welcome to the Other Side. There's a little chapter in there that says, when you're going through crisis, everyone's texting, everyone's calling, everyone's worried about you. But if it lasts a long time, the texts are going to be less and less. The notes are going to be less and less. The little folded hand emojis are going to be less and less. It's not that they don't love God and don't love you. It's just a natural thing. They have done, moved on. They got their own problems. And so here's a man saying, all right, so here's two pence. He said it's going to be a long time before he's healed. And uh, let me know what I owe you when I come back through town. A leader can sustain a burden. They can pray for people for a long time, though they don't see instant results, though it's long healing, though it's a long time to turn a heart and turn a relationship. So quickly here, developing a giving spirit. Let me just give you the answers here, and we got to go. Here it is. See a need. That's the blank. See a need. Developing a given spirit. How do, how do we become givers? See a need. Here's a need. The man is broken. He's dying. There's no one to help him. There is a need. Number next, look for needs. Sometimes they're not an obvious need. You may be out soul winning. You may be working on a bus route. You may be teaching a class and you don't see any needs. But you look a little deeper. There's always a need. There's always a need. And then here it is. The next blank, fill a need. Fill a need. What in the world does that mean? Uh, we'll give you an example quickly. Uh, that old song we sing, He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. We're needy people. We're all needy people. So what can we give, Pastor? What are we supposed to give? Uh, here's some ideas. Number one, money. Money. So Brother Matt Stensis, our missionary, by the way, did y'all get that note? He left you a note. Okay. Uh, Brother Stensis, uh, we went out to uh, breakfast the other day and he did a great job here Sunday night. Great job in the chapel. He's the real deal. And so uh, as he was leaving, he goes, here. He said, he said I want to help Eli with his blown engine on his uh, van. I said, do what? He said, he said, give this to Eli. He said he slipped out before I got to see him. It's a $100 bill. Here's the missionary. And God, I'm sure, said, you know, he could probably use this. And I said, well, but you're giving it to me to give to him. I mean, do I really have to give it to him? No. And, and I, so, so I got that $100 bill. It's in a safe place, my banking account. And so, but there it is. Matt Stensis is being used to the Lord because he's a giver. That's not something that just hit him. Guarantee you, you trace his life. He has done that probably his entire Christian life. He's a giver. He sees a need. This might help him, encourage him a little bit. Please take care of that. So sometimes it's going to be money. Number next, the E stands for encouragement. Sometimes we can give encouragement. I don't know if the man who was all broken on the roadside, if you had have dropped a $100 bill on him, if it would have encouraged him. It was David who was run out of town, living in a cave, running for his life, 3,000 enemy soldiers of King Saul could not find him, but one friend could. And his name was Jonathan. And the Bible says he encouraged, he strengthened David's 
hands in the Lord. So whatever Jonathan did, it encouraged David. He was giving encouragement. When David didn't have courage, he said, here, take some of mine. I love that. I love it when Paul is in prison and he says, Onesiphorus, our own Siphorus, has oft refreshed me. He has come to the prison. He's met my needs. Now, Onesiphorus couldn't be an apostle Paul, but guess what he did? He encouraged an apostle Paul. He gave encouragement. What else can we give, Pastor? We can give comfort. We can give comfort. One pastor put it this way. He said, be kind to everybody. Everybody's having a tough time. You say, who needs encouragement? Anyone that's breathing. Who needs comfort? Probably anybody that's breathing. Every Sunday, we mentioned it recently. Every Sunday, there's someone with an anniversary here. And I don't mean a wedding anniversary. But an anniversary of a divorce. An anniversary the death of a child, an anniversary, the death of a loved one, the death of a friend. And that's why sometimes you may say, hey, good to see you. And people just start crying and walk off. It's not your words. It's they're already tender and hurting and they need some comfort. They need some comfort. What can we give? Number next, a listening ear. Sometimes people just need to vent and tell their story and talk and cry and they just need someone just nodding their head, listening. Here's another one here, your testimony. What can you give? Uh, what can a giver give? Sometimes you can share your story with them. They're going through something similar to what you've been through. Well, let me tell you my story. And then they look at you and say, you too? You too? And then the comfort comes. We must hasten. It's been a long day, hasn't it? Number next, you can give them strength. So that's probably what this wounded man needed. He couldn't get on the donkey. He couldn't get to the inn to get well. He needed someone to pick him up, put him on the beast, bring him to the hospital. That's what he needed. He needed someone who was strong when he was weak. You ever been there? You ever been weak and maybe, uh, maybe you're married and... Uh, when the husband was weak, just, man, I can't go on. The wife said, yes, we can do it. And the, now, both can't be weak at the same time. Here it is on giving. If Christmas is dictated by receiving, others dictate my happiness. If joy is by giving, I can have it any time I decide, and here's the blank, to give. I remember as a little kid, and maybe some of you are old enough, we would, we would start the day after Christmas looking at the catalogs. Is anyone old enough to remember that? It'd be J.C. Penney catalog or Sears and Roebuck. And we would just, and we would circle, I want this. I want this for Christmas. We'd go to the game section. I want a croquet set. I want a Monopoly game. I want a Sorry game. I want a Yahtzee game. And boy, if we were rich, we could have all these things. And we'd start dreaming about what, we could receive. And we were so sad because Christmas was over. No one's given us any gifts till next year. And that's how our Christmas was. It was very sad, very depressing the day after Christmas. But if Christmas is giving, you decide when you have Christmas. You can have it July 4th. You can have it uh, September 10th. You can have it anytime you want to. 
because there's a joy in giving. And giving is a lifestyle. It's not just money. It's not from the rich to the poor. We all have something we could give to someone that's needing it. Not only that, we can give the gospel. We have something that lasts forever. No one else has that. Someone could give someone a house. They could give them a boat. They can give them a car. They can give them a great job. None of it's going to last. We give the gospel. It lasts forever and ever. Let me give you two giving promises. Just want to give you this for a second. Let's look in Galatians for a moment. And we're going to be done maybe just a tad early. Galatians chapter 6. Two giving promises. These are God's promises to people that give. He says, if you'll give, here's what I'll do. Look at this. Galatians 6 and looking down into verse number 7. And this is not bad. It's good. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, whether it's money, encouragement, comfort, listening here, testimony, strength, whatever you sow, that shall he also reap. You need money? Sow some money. Give some away. You need some encouragement? Start giving some encouragement away and you're going to reap that. Then in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you don't quit, you're going to reap that. You're going to reap it. And then one more. Let me give you this in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter, excuse me, uh, Luke chapter 6 in the gospel. Luke chapter 6. And this is God's promise to us. It's a great promise. I love it, and it's got kind of a surprise in it. But Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, Jesus is speaking. Notice what he says to his disciples. Luke 6, 38, give. And notice there's no subject. If you know English well, it doesn't say fathers give, brothers give, workers give. It's, it's implied. So it would be in a, a parenthesis. It would be the word you. You give. And it shall be given unto you. Wow. Well, it looks like you can't outgive the Lord. How, how's it going to be given to you? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Let's find out. Uh, any cereal eaters here? Not cereal killers. But <laughs> now I just kill it when I eat it. No, no. But cereal eaters. Okay. What's your favorite? What do you like, Arden? Okay, when you were young, you liked Cheerios. Okay, anybody over here? What's your favorite cereal? No? Cereal people here? What do you like, Charlie? Sugar smack. Sugar smack. That's bad for you. Okay, what, what do you like? Cheerios? Cheerios? Raisin bran. Anybody else here? How about over here? No cereal people? Brother? What? Brother Joseph, fruity pebbles? I would have never thought. <laughs> Anybody else over here? What, what's, uh, uh, Justin? Plain Captain Crunch. What's the difference? Are you kidding? They got more than one Captain Crunch? Uh, okay, I do the healthy kind. I do the honey, honey, honey nut Cheerios. So it's, so it's nothing bad. It's no sugar. It's just 
honey poured on pure wheat. <laughs> and I use almond milk, almond milk poured on it. So it's not even cow's milk. Pretty healthy. So one thing about those, those boxes of cereal, when you open them, it's like only about this much in the bag. You ever notice that? It's like, well, hey, great big old box. It's this much. You shake it and all the air gets out, kind of gets comp- compressed. God says with giving, give and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. And the box can't even hold it. And running over. But where are you going to get it? He says, shall men give unto you. You know who God uses almost all the time when people reap their giving? He uses people. He uses people. My wife and I had given a large amount to a certain ministry, a certain need. And I didn't say, Lord, I'm trusting you. No, I, I, I just, you know, I can trust him. Sometimes you reap it a good bit further down. I reaped it the next day. Someone shook my hand and gave me that exact amount back. It's like, wow, that's fast. You can't out give. God owes no man. You give something to him. You're not going to live your whole life. Well, you owe me. No, no. He's going to take care of it. But sometimes it'll be a boss give a raise. It'll be an unexpected job. Rarely do I ever find money on the ground. Kind of like that one guy, he didn't want to tithe. And he said, all right, Lord. He took his tithe out. He goes, all right, keep what you want. And he threw it up. Okay. You know, you know, it didn't stay up. All right. So, But most of the time, it's going to be people give back to you. And it's a lifestyle of giving. I'm done with this old story. Maybe two of you hadn't heard it. So a little boy was in the candy store. They had the glass with the different containers of candy and he's looking and he's he's coveting and finally the manager looked over and he said uh, son you like that candy and he was kind of shy he nodded his head he opened up the container he said here take a handful here's a bag here just take a handful put it in the bag the boy just kind of stared at the candy looked at the man his mother said take a handful the manager said it's look he's giving it to you take a handful and the little boy just stood there and finally the manager said all right here and he put a handful in that bag and the boy walked out. You know the punchline. His mother said, why didn't you take a handful of candy when the manager told you to? The little boy wisely looked up and he said, his hands are bigger. (laughs) And his hands are always bigger. Whatever you sow, you'll reap in the area of giving. Every one of us has been blessed because someone gave, either financially or encouragement, or gave us the gospel, or gave us some sound wisdom, some advice. We want to develop a giving heart. And that's where prayer comes in. You say, well, pastor, what happens if you see someone that has a need and you don't have the money to fulfill it? That's where prayer comes from. Lord, I'm real burdened about so-and-so. You put it in my hand. Above and beyond what I usually have, I promise I will give it, I will meet that need. That's graduate school prayer. That's when you're no longer praying for you. You got your eyes off you 
and you're trying to meet someone else's need. The giving spirit, let's have it. December's here. It's not just gifts. It's a lifestyle.